know, whether you are a sports fan or not, that in sports, there's always a home team and a visiting team. Right, that's how it works. And uh, in Arizona, where I live, I'm always on the visiting team because I am a Dallas sports fan. Hold your applause, right? Uh, I am always on the, the visiting team. And I, and I felt this in particular in one moment when I went to an Arizona Cardinals game uh, playing against the Dallas Cowboys, you know, God's team. Um, and I was invited to go by a friend, actually at the time he was in our church, so I was his pastor and his, his friend, and he graciously invited me uh, to go to this football game. And early on in the game, like Cowboys scored a little bit, and it was going kind of well for us, and, and he joked with his wife, my friend, and also I was his pastor, he joked with his wife, just kind of leaned over and said, you know, babe, it'd be a shame to, to have pastor walk home. And we were all kind of like, <laughs> and I was like, are they really going to make me walk home? And the Cowboys, you know, God's team, they sure enough, they, they continued to advance and, and they, they crushed it and they won the game. And, and, and it no longer was like joking face saying, hey, maybe we should make pastor walk home. They would just keep saying it over and over with a somber face. Hey, maybe we should make pastor walk home. I'm like, I don't like this joke. I mean, it's so far away. I live in central Phoenix. If you don't know, like what the Cardinals plays in, in Glendale. Now, I will tell you, they did not make me drive, uh, walk home, but it was completely silent in their car for an hour. <laughs> Trying to get out of that traffic and everything else. Like it was an awkward moment just being the visiting team, even though we, we won. And I tell you that because I think as you look at our world right now, uh, the sinfulness in our world, the brokenness of our world, the pain uh, and suffering that's taking place even recently in our world and in our culture, I think as you look at that as a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, it is pretty clear we're on the visiting team. Now, as we kind of see that, there's a few ways to respond to that. One, one way that I think typically Christians and churches tend to respond to that is, is just to kind of immerse in that brokenness. Uh, as you kind of look at the way the world is, is heading and the culture is heading and, and you're just like, man, it just kind of makes, you can kind of see why they think that or you kind of see, man, this is just a, a down uh, moment to live in life. I mean, there was a pandemic and there's all these things and you're just like, man, maybe all all hope is lost, and I'm just going to kind of join them. I'm just going to join the culture, join the world, and just might as well just stop fighting up against it. Like, this is where it's going. Let's just, let's just immerse in the culture, immerse in the world. Some of us as Christians respond that way. I think some of us respond at the exact other end of the spectrum. We don't immerse in the culture. We just say, hey, I'm going to exit the culture. And, you know, it's, it's a kind of a scary world. It is, Tim. I mean, there's lots of things happening financially, the gas prices, uh, sexually, uh, with, with guns, with uh, violence, with racism, with all, those, with all these things. And, just, and, and man, I don't want to get that stain on me or my kids or my friends. And so why don't, Tim, why don't we build walls around the church, and why don't we take our kids home, and why don't we just kind of exit the culture, create a little holy bubble, and, and make sure we stay safe? And as I think the, the culture continues to evolve and, and change, and suffering, and pain, and sin, and brokenness is in the world, we see more and more Christians, and churches even, just exiting. Right? And here's the reality. 
as we look at scripture, and particularly as you look at the life of Jesus, neither one of those is the call of a Christian in the world. Right? We, we are meant to be in the world, but not of it. We're not meant to immerse in the culture and the world, but we're also not meant to exit the culture and the world. We're meant to, to walk, we're followers of Jesus. We're his apprentices. We're meant to follow Jesus and, and engage the world, not immerse or exit the world, but engage the world as he engaged the world with grace and truth. And so that's what we're gonna talk about today. We're gonna talk about missional engagement. And it's been part of our series, it's the final part of our series, Imperfect People Moved by the Perfect Love of Jesus, where we've looked at all these marks that we want for you personally and collectively as a church. Things like a biblical framework, a gospel identity, a spirit reliance, a deep connection, a generous stewardship, that, that all these things, hey, this is what we want for you. This is the goal of the Christian life, of our church. And one of these things is this missional engagement that we want to mark your life and our church. Now, what does that look like? Well, here's a definition. If you take notes, uh, that we want you to be actively joining God's culture renewing, disciple-making work through both word and deed. Our prayer for you, your life and our church, is that you would actively join God's culture renewing, disciple-making work through both word and deed. So here's what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna break that down from the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible, open it to the book of Acts, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then go to, to Acts Acts chapter 1, 6 through 11. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under the, the chair in front of you. Grab that and open it up with me. Uh, we're going to break God's mission down uh, from the Bible, and then we're going to break it down into our mission and vision as a church. And if you're new to our church, this is a great Sunday to be here. If you've been a part of our church for a long time, uh, this is a great Sunday to be reminded of really what we're about as a church. So that's where we're headed. Acts 1, let's read it together, uh, starting in verse 6. It says this, so when they had come together, that's the disciples, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Here's our big idea from this passage. If you take notes, it is this, that God's mission is bigger than you think. It's beyond your ability, but it's exactly what you are built for. Let me say that again. God's mission is bigger than you think. It's beyond your ability, but it's exactly what you are built for. So we're just gonna break that down over these next few moments. The first thing is God's mission is bigger than you think. Uh, some background as we sort of parachute into Acts chapter one. This is uh, the, the writer Luke, 
who wrote the Gospel of Luke, the, the count of uh, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, and, and these followers that began to follow him, were taught by him, saw all these miracles by him, but also saw him die on a bloody cross and then resurrect. And Luke basically writes the sequel to that gospel. It's the book of Acts. It is when Jesus ascends into heaven, as we just witnessed in this account, and as the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 2, falls on the people of God and falls on his followers and the crowds there, and there becomes crowds as they begin to follow Jesus, and the early church is birthed. So that's the context that we find ourselves in. And what you see in verse 6, if you look at it with me, is the disciples ask Jesus a question. They say, verse 6, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now that word kingdom is really important about their question. And here's what these Jewish followers of Jesus were thinking when they thought about kingdom. Jesus, okay, now. Are you going to set up your kingdom on the earth? Here's what, what they were thinking about primarily. They were thinking about a political kingdom. They were thinking, okay, now, Jesus, you, you suffered a lot. You died in front of everybody. It looked like all hope was lost. It seemed like the Roman government had won. The religious leaders had won. But then you beat death. And then you had like the biggest I told you so in history, and you rose again, and we're looking at you, and we've spent time with you, and we've seen your, your nail-scarred hands. So now, right? Like, we've suffered enough suffering, Jesus. Now you're going to reign, and you're going to kick Rome out, and we are going to have our rightful place. They thought of a political kingdom. But they also thought of a, a territorial kingdom. Uh, you see, the, the nation of Israel, their land, their promised land, it was very important to them. And so they thought in, in physical terms, like, okay, now we get our land back. Like, we get the, the rightful uh, ownership to what is, is ours, and we get to enact that in front of everybody. Now's the time, Jesus. It, do we get to set this up? And what I think is interesting is their expectation primarily centered around the, the physical reign of Jesus. And we typically can crack on the disciples in a moment like this, can't we? We typically can say, oh, how small-minded, right? Oh, how you just, again, you missed the point, you missed the boat. But the reality is, it's a fair question. Like, it's a fair expectation for the disciples to have. As you look at passages in our Old Testament, like Jeremiah 23, Ezekiel 36 and 37, it describes God setting up a physical reign upon the earth. And these are disciples who knew their Old Testament, and they're like, okay, all the suffering has happened. The Messiah has come. He suffered. He's risen from the dead. Now the physical reign begins to happen. It was a fair thought for them to have. It just wasn't a big enough thought for them to have. You see, as, as Jesus talks about this, this kingdom, just briefly, he doesn't rebuke the disciples. Did you notice that? He just says, hey, it's not time for that yet. And you don't know the time for that. It's gonna come one day, and we see in the book of Revelation, Jesus does set up a physical throne and reign on the earth. It's not just for Israel, but he does do that. But Jesus says, hey, it's, it's bigger than the physical throne. I wanna reign in people's hearts spiritually. It's bigger than the nation of Israel. I, I, I wanna stretch this thing out to the ends of the earth. 
And so it was a fair question, but Jesus has a bigger answer. I'm up to something bigger than you could ever imagine. You gotta think about the disciples in this moment, these these Jewish followers. I mean, they're they're looking at like this area in the Middle East. When, When Jesus says like Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, I mean, to the ends of the earth meant the beach. I mean, they thought like that was the end. It was bigger than they could even imagine. And here's my point for you. I think it's bigger than you think or imagine. So here's the reality for us. We, we may not think in terms and have expectations around God's kingdom like they had in terms of the political and the territorial. Maybe you have some of that. I don't know that you do, but I imagine you have some expectations that may be fair expectations of God's kingdom and God's mission, except they're just a little bit too small. Some of us, we think even like a church setting like this, like here's how we typically can think about church specifically in America is we can think, hey, I'm gonna drive to a place I'm gonna get up early enough to do that. I'm gonna put on my Sunday best. I'm gonna get the kids ready and I'm gonna drive to a place, listen to a guy speak for 30 minutes to 45 minutes to an hour, see how he gets out of control today. And I'm gonna say hi to a few people and I'm gonna hope my kids get some moral ethics and then we're gonna decide the biggest question of all, where do we eat lunch? And sometimes in the American church, maybe some of us sometimes, that's kind of how far we think about the mission of God. And then we'll check in uh, next week. 167 hours will go by and we'll we'll re-enter this equation next week. Some of us, when we we pray, it's like this. We we pray about, God, would you bless my, my family? God, would you give us traveling mercies on our vacations? Would you bless our food? God, would you help me with my struggles and my sin and my life? Would you help me marry this person, find this person to marry, buy this house? Good gracious, in this incredible market that we are in, God, would you please step in and help us have a home? God, would you would you take care of some, some financial struggles in my life? some emotional struggles in my life and you're just kind of like praying those things and I think a question I wrestled with that I want you to wrestle with is if God answered all of your prayers over the last week, all of your prayers over the last year, who would it benefit other than you? I thought about that in my life. That was convicting. I imagine that's convicting in your life. And you see, the reality is that in our prayer life, in our, in our church life, in our work life, oftentimes our view of God's mission is way too small. And in this moment, Jesus wants to remind the disciples and the Holy Spirit wants to remind you, it's bigger than you think. Open up your eyes, see behind yourself. See beyond your territory. See beyond your family, even your kids and your grandkids. See beyond your race. See beyond your social class. See beyond your neighborhood and your city. See beyond your political viewpoints. See beyond, look beyond, look bigger. God's mission is bigger than you think. Do you see it that way? Do your prayers correspond to that picture? Does your giving, does your time and your talent and your testimony correspond with that big picture of God's mission? 
Or if you're honest, are you just living too small, a mission, a vision in your life? That's our first thing. The second thing is God's mission is, is bigger than you think, but it's also beyond your ability. Look at verse eight with me. Verse eight, Jesus says, hey, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and, and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then verse nine through 11, you see this picture of, of these angels who are kind of like, they just saw this, this crazy picture. I mean, just try to imagine this, this crazy picture. Jesus says that, drops the mic, and then rises up and ascends into heaven. Can you just imagine that for a moment? Like, we believe this really happened. And these are real, like, people in life. Like, not saints. They're like fishermen and carpenters and tax collectors. This ragtag group of people. And they're just like, you will be my witnesses. Start in Jerusalem where you live. Then move out further, Judea, Samaria. And you know what? Let's just get crazy. To the ends of the earth. And they're like this ragtag bunch of people, and then Jesus drops the mic, and he starts ascending into heaven. That's, that's got to be the strangest scene in all of history, amen? I mean, he gives them no explanation of how they're going to do this. Yes, he's done that before, but they don't remember. Have you read the Gospels? I mean, it's just like, no, Jesus, can you can I go ahead and come back on down and help us do this? I mean, immediately, they would have had to feel, this is beyond our ability. Even like if the ends of the earth was the Middle East or the beach, that would have felt like, that's impossible. We're tax collectors. I don't even, I still not sure if I like that, that fisherman. I'm still not sure if I like that zealot that's a part of this crew. And we're supposed to lock arms without you and accomplish this to the ends of the earth? And you need to know that feeling that they had is a feeling that you should have as well. It's actually a good thing to feel that this is beyond your ability. Because I, I know many of you, you feel that. Anytime we talk about like making disciples of all nations, the Great Commission, loving your neighbor, Acts 1-8, these, these passages that talk about the mission of God that's meant to be executed through you. There is no plan B, you are plan A. As, immediately as I talk about that as a preacher and a pastor, I, mean, I can just see the difference in your responses based on that versus if I'm talking about anxiety or if I'm talking about joy. You're just like, man, I need some of that. Like, this is so hard. Like, I can barely just maintain my life. You want me to go help other people in their life. And like, Tim, man, I see those street preachers. I, I, don't, I don't have a megaphone. And I don't want one. And I don't know what I would say if I had one. Uh, it was interesting this, this week, uh, latter part of this week, uh, we took my oldest daughter on her 13-year-old trip. Y'all pray for your pastor. I have a teenager, and we always said, hey, we're going to take every one of our kids on a trip of their choosing uh, when they turn 13. So we took her to California. Um, my wife and her did Universal Studios. It was great, right? Uh, but then we went to L.A., and we saw a lot of things uh, in L.A., but one of the things we saw was uh, a street preacher with a megaphone and a big yellow sign. He was just yelling at people, and I always like to just listen. Maybe some of you are just like, oh, please stop. I'm just going to walk past that. I always kind of lean in. I'm like, yeah, what are you saying? What verses are you quoting? I'm just weird. I'm a pastor, and um, that's what I do on vacation. And uh, 
my, my brother-in-law was with us and he asked me, we were sitting there and you could, we were having a piece of pizza and you could hear the street preacher. He was like in view and you could hear him. And he said to me, he's a musician. He said, hey, do you as a pastor, do you kind of have the same view of, uh, of him as I do of, of street musicians? And I said, well, what do you mean by that? He's like, I don't know, I just kind of, I take a lot of pride in my music and I do things a certain way and just, I'm not a really big fan of like the street musicians because I'm like, that's not really who I am and yet you're reflecting who I am. Do you feel that? way about the street preacher? And I said, yes, yes. I, I, I just, I want to take all the other people and grab them and bring them in a circle and like tell them about my life and have relationship with them and walk with them and show them the grace and truth of Jesus and give them the bigger picture and break down their misconceptions. And I don't think that can be done over a megaphone just personally. And, and so maybe some of you, you, you think about all those things and you think of this massive thing that you're supposed to do, but you feel it's severely ill-equipped to do in your life. And maybe some of you feel that today. And you need to know that's exactly the place you should be. Because that's exactly where the disciples were. And look at what happens. You will receive what? Power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It was almost like Jesus knew they didn't have the power. That his power was going to come. Did you know today is the day we celebrate the day of Pentecost? That's in Acts chapter two, where you see this powerful moment where the Holy Spirit falls on people and the, the early church is birthed. And you see people like Peter who went from a, a doubter and he goes to a, a bold proclaimer and he's preaching the lights out and 3,000 people get saved and they're trying to figure out how to baptize them all. Why? Because he received power. Because though this was beyond his ability, it was exactly in the wheelhouse of the Holy Spirit's ability. Amen? And the Holy Spirit comes. Just when they're weak, they get strong. Just when they realize they don't have the ability, God gives them the, the ability supernaturally by the power of his spirit. And he says, here's this power. Here's what it's gonna do. It's gonna help you be my witnesses. See, again, maybe to break down some misconceptions of the street preacher that you have. Here, here's what God is calling you to do with his power, not yours. Here's simple but profoundly what God is calling you to do. Be his witnesses. Do you know what a witness is in a court? It's someone who's called up to a stand simply to share what they've seen and what they've heard. This is what we need this amazing power for, is to simply around the people that you are placed around, share what you've seen and heard. Share what you've experienced from Jesus. That this morning, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, meaning the radical grace of Jesus Christ has entered into your life when you were at your weakest, when you were at your lowest, when you were in sin and you didn't deserve it, the radical grace of Jesus pursued you, encountered you, rescued you out of your sin, made you alive with Christ, and he gave you his righteousness. Amen? If, that's what, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what you have experienced. That's what you have seen, and that's what you have heard. What do you do now? You, you simply share that. 
What would happen in your life if you just right here in this moment just said, God, I don't have the power, but please use your power in my life to help me share and show what I've seen and what I've heard with my neighbors who don't know Jesus, who think of Christians a certain way, with my kids who they just, they're growing up in this world and there's lots of crazy things. But what if you just started to share this, this love story, this, this story of rescue, this unprecedented, historic, historical moving story of Jesus Christ coming to earth to die for your sin and rise again. What if you just started to, to, to use this power to share that? That changes everything. Acts 4.13, one of my favorite verses in the New Testament. It simply says this. Some of the disciples are doing a lot of things, and they're kind of getting into trouble. And what people say is, hey, you can tell, Acts 4.13, you can tell that those people have been with Jesus. They don't say you can tell that those people are really eloquent. They don't say that you can tell that those people got their master's degree in seminary. They, they don't say, you can tell that they've been walking. Those are seasoned veterans. Those are, that's the varsity team. They've both been walking with Jesus for 30 years. They know all the verses. That's not what they say. They're in awe. They're dumbfounded that these people would suffer to get this message out, to be his witnesses. Oh, they, they must have been with Jesus. I mean, you can just tell they've been with Jesus. It's rubbing off on him, on them, to other people. It's beyond your ability. The quicker you actually embrace that, the better off you are. Amen? The more impactful you will be. I can't do this. Holy Spirit, would you unleash your power within me and through me to do this, to share what I've seen and heard with everyone around me? God's mission, it's bigger than you think. It's beyond your ability. Here's the last thing. It's exactly what you're built for. Look back at verse eight with me. Notice Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. That phrase is really interesting because it's a command, like this is what you are to do, be my witnesses. But it's also a statement of fact. This is who you are. You are going to be my witnesses. This is the very fabric, the very nature of how you are are built is to, to share what you've seen and experienced and heard about Jesus. And you need to know, this is the case through all of history, through all of scripture. It starts with Abraham. He is blessed, but it's blessed to be a blessing, right? You see it continue in the story of scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, you have been reconciled, but that's not it. Now you are ministers of reconciliation to others. You're ambassadors of Christ before a broken world. Acts chapter one, we see Jesus makes this proclamation. You will be my witnesses. And then 39 times in the book of Acts, you see them called witnesses. They're actually doing what Jesus called them to do. They're not just embracing it. They're extending that. This is the way it works. This is what you are built Four. This is where joy is. Listen, I, I love this. We did a sermon series to start the year on the different things we struggle with as a people. You are not alone. I, I love talking about felt needs. I love caring for your soul. But you need to know purpose, meaning, fulfillment, and joy will never be yours until you get this. Until you start to extend what you have first embraced. 
I've seen this just recently in my, my dad's story. I've, I've shared uh, a few times about my dad having cancer in his esophagus, and he's been going through procedures, multiple procedures, uh, to take the tumor out of his esophagus. They thought maybe they could get it in one, then they had to go back a second time. Now they have to go back a third time, third time's the charm. They think they're going to be able to get it all in the name of Jesus. That's what we're praying for. Thanks for praying with us, right? And after this second procedure, uh, we get a phone call from my dad, because this is what he does every single time. He wants to talk to us, and he wants to talk to my kids specifically, and he's always a little hoarse because they just got through digging around in his esophagus. Uh, but he wants to talk to us and kind of, I think, prove, like, I'm okay and let us know that, right? Uh, and we're talking, we're eagerly awaiting the results. Like, how, like, I'm looking for stats, percentages, how much of the tumor is left. Like, as soon as I get on the phone, it's business for me, right? And I get on the phone with my dad, and he doesn't talk about any of that stuff. He tells my wife and I a story about engaging with this nurse who prepped him for the procedure and how they talked about Jesus, and they talked about the gospel. And my dad's in tears, not because of his cancer, but because of this amazing conversation that he had around the grace of Jesus Christ with another person in the operating room. And he's joyful in the midst of cancer that's not fully gone yet. And he's joyful, not because, and they, it was successful, like they got more of the tumor out, but that wasn't his joy. His joy was talking about what he had embraced in Jesus Christ and extending that to someone else because that's what he's built for. That's what you're built for. And how many times we look for joy in here. We look for purpose in here. We pray more about ourselves than we pray about others. We're focused on this. Our vision is too small, and therefore we're not experiencing the purpose, fulfillment, meaning, and joy that God has and wants for your life. That's where it happens. This is how you are, are wired. And this is how our church is wired. Uh, just briefly, I want to I wanna break down for you uh, what we believe God's mission looks like here at PBC. I'm just going to read some of this. It's going to be on the screen. This is what we believe God's mission is, and this is what we believe it, how we believe it takes shape for our church. So you can just listen along with me. Our mission, it has been the same since the very beginning. It is this, to help people love Jesus, live like Jesus, and lead others to Jesus. The shortened way we say that is love moves. Here's what we mean by that, that we love Jesus because we deeply know and believe his person and work. We not only know and believe Jesus, but commit to a lifetime of following Jesus, learning from Jesus, and abiding in Jesus. As we abide in and grow in our love for Jesus, we begin to worship the Father and walk in the power of the Spirit. We live like Jesus as we learn to turn from sin and walk in his righteousness by the power of the Spirit. We aren't merely concerned with the way to the kingdom, but the way of the kingdom. Things like the eight Beatitudes, the fruit of the Spirit, personal and social righteousness, praying for the sick, serving the broken, etc. We lead others to Jesus as we invite others to live and love like Jesus. We realize there are spiritually broken people all around us, and, and we need to proclaim the truth and mercy of Jesus to everyone we know. So we declare and we demonstrate that to everyone around us. This is our mission 
This is what we believe as we try to articulate what does this look like for us to see this big mission that's beyond our ability, that, that is how we're wired. What does that look like for you? And, and this is how we articulate that. And, and the amazing thing is we get to see that. And we have seen that over seven and a half years. Even just recently, we've seen that as we, we got to send out our own missionaries, Jeff and Chloe, to Puerto Rico. And we're going to support them financially and pray over them and make sure Chloe comes back and sings on our worship team, right? And we're seeing that just globally in that way. Another way globally, we want to see it this year. This fall, we plan to go on a vision trip to Uganda. Many of you have seen we've, we've given money to Uganda, the Jim Foundation, serving kids with special needs. We gave $40,000 away on Easter. And we want to keep investing there. So, so Pastor AC and I are hopeful to go this fall and, and see what they're doing on the grounds there. See how they're building these homes for these kids. They're serving these kids. How they want to build a church uh, for these families and kids. And, and how we can maybe invite you to go on a short-term mission trip next summer and see God's mission play out globally in that way. But we're not just seeing it across seas. We're seeing it across the street. Uh, we're seeing it as we equip you and uh, equip nights to, to talk about the things as we don't want to exit from culture, but we also don't want to immerse in culture. We're, we're talking about things like, like doubt and different things about sexuality that we want to talk about and engage that culture while upholding truth, while loving well, because that's what we believe Jesus does. And we want to embody that in our day. And that's really powerful when we, we do that. And we're seeing that happen in our, our church. But we're seeing it happen even more than that, just organically across our community groups. I was talking to a family the other day that was talking about a prayer walk that they did in their neighborhood. I was talking to a community group who did a block party in their neighborhood, and they, they hope to invite friends to that and engage them. And we're seeing that happen all over the place with our church. And, and here's our vision. As we, as we see that happen now, as we hope to see way more of that happen in the future, here's our vision of what our church might look like if this mission takes place. Listen along with me. Uh, our vision is to see a church where love moves throughout the central corridor of Phoenix and beyond. A church that passionately, sacrificially multiplies disciples and kingdom impact. A church that has an intentional leadership pipeline, raising up ministry leaders, church planners, and missionaries. A church that practices for eternity as we embody a multi-generational, multi-ethnic family wrapped around the glory of Christ. A church that serves as a robust hub for transformative Bible teaching and discipleship, proactively engaging culture while upholding truth and loving well. A church that partners with other churches and nonprofits who are also uniquely placed in the heart of Phoenix to care for the poor, orphan, and widow, and to see those populations transformed in our lifetime. A church that functions as a kingdom outpost, maximizing our facility throughout the week with initiatives maybe like a Love Moves Center. This is a, a vision of what we hope to see in the future. Housing supplies, space for mentoring, other tangible efforts that would impact our city's greatest needs like foster care, kids with special needs, single moms, poverty, and others like that. That gets me excited. I don't know if that, that wakes you up this morning, but that gets me excited of what if we started to live out the mission of God in and through Phoenix Bible Church. That maybe it would look something like this. And maybe there's other things to add to that list that we can't even fully see yet. You need to know that here's what I'm inviting you to. 
I'm inviting you to put your hand in on this. I'm inviting you to lock arms with this, with God's mission, with his people and his spirit through this place. Right? From the beginning of our church, this is how we've done things. Right? And we are talking about something that, that is very exciting on Wednesday night of a potential two churches becoming one with the possibility to see more and more people moved by the love of Jesus, to see more and more people served by Jesus across this corridor, to see multi-generational, multi-ethnic people come together as one and be disciples who make disciples, who see a future generation come after us, who do the same thing, and so much so that we have a kingdom outpost that outlives us and outlives me, but continues to have a legacy where people hear about love moving, not because it's a cute thing to put on a t-shirt, but because it's the mission of Jesus Christ for years to come. That's what Wednesday night is about. Let's pray about that. Let's come together around that. Let's see what, what we can't see. Let's ask God to enlarge our vision, enlarge his mission in and through our lives. And whether it's that or other th- serving on the kids team and getting to do services or sharing your faith or joining a community group or being a part of a study or, or doing something like some of our group did, uh, one of our families fostered a kid and they came around her and got her a baby shower and gifts. If it's things like that, I'm asking you, would you join me? I think COVID and everything else has just kind of been a weird season where we're going, oh yes, I'll just go to church. Like that's an achievement by itself. And listen, I'm glad you're here, but God wants more for you in life than that. I'm inviting you to more than that. I'm inviting you to put your hand in your time, your talent, your treasure, your testimony, and I think it's gonna be a fun ride. It has been for seven and a half years. Who knows what's gonna happen over the next seven, 70? Would you you dream with us? One, One family in our church just recently, they bought a house down the street in this market with these interest rates because they lived in a different part of town. And, and they begin to envision, as we, they looked at our vision for the church, and they begin to look at their vision for their lives. Hey, what are our lives going to be like in 10 years? I would encourage you to do this. Hey, how old are our kids going to be? What's this area going to be like? How, Phoenix is the fifth largest city now. How big is it going to be in 10 years? What, are my, what do I want for my kids, our marriage? And how does that vision correspond with this vision? And how can we knit those together in a beautiful, exciting, impactful way together? And maybe that means buying a house down the street. I don't know. But maybe it just means signing up to serve or finally getting in a community group or finally engaging across the aisle with people who are different than you. Maybe it means coming and praying with us and pleading before the Lord that he would move in a mighty way through our church. Right? That's what I'm inviting you to. This is where we're going and I, I, I want to, to lock arms with you. I, I love this church, and I love you, and I'm excited for what God is going to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for this group of people. I thank you for this group of believers that you have knit together. I am grateful uh, just to be a part and just to be along for the ride over these last seven and a half years and in the years to come. God, uh, you are bigger than we could imagine or think, and your plan and purposes for us are as well. 
God, help us enlarge our vision, enlarge our mission to see more and more people moved by your love, rescued by your love, that we might see this, this broken culture, this broken world around us, we might begin to see that change because of the love and light of Jesus that's not just abstractly shining out there, but it's shining through us, through word and deed, as we step into your mission and lock arms together in your mission. That is our desire, that is our prayer, and we, we wait expectantly for all that you're going to do in and through and around us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray that, amen.